All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Blueprint Leadership Podcast. I'm Kay Wright, your 18th Chief Master Sergeant of the Air Force. You all know the drill. We talk to some of my favorite people and we discuss all things leadership. Now, our goal is to provide insights for up-and-comers to help find their path and reach their leadership potential. We call it Blueprint, but there's no one way to lead. We want to share our experiences, give advice, and hopefully we can help you find your path and reach your potential as the great leader that you are. There's this natural tendency as leaders and even parents to say, hey, the storms are coming. We know that. But for now, let's protect you as much as we can from the wind so that you can focus on growth. And those who experience, there's an area of psychology called post-traumatic growth. And those who experience post-traumatic growth after a trauma or just a setback or a crisis oftentimes come to the realization that, you know what, this was kind of a gift. Because only through this am I now aware of my strength, what I can endure. Or maybe I have insights and wisdom that are only possible to gain because I've gone through this. Embrace the way. Those who follow the Stoic philosophy even go so far as to say, the obstacle is the path. And maybe it's a gift that we should lean into. All right. Welcome to the Blueprint Leadership Podcast. I'm Kay Wright, your 18th Chief Master Sergeant of the Air Force. This episode is kind of special, not just because we are recording from the Airy House, where Tanya and I have lived for the past three years, but because of the special guest that we have today. Now, this uh, is someone that I've heard speak and become pretty good friends with uh, over the last couple of years. His message is about organizational culture, and it's I would say it's one that really, really hits home as we in the Air Force continue to work through some cultural issues. I want to tell you just a little bit about uh, this guy before we start. <laughs> Our guest today is Dr. Kevin Basic. Now, he spent 23 years studying and applying values-based leadership development. Uh, he's an internationally recognized speaker, a published scholar, an award-winning instructor, a recognized developmental expert, and most importantly, a proven leader. Now, Kevin is the president of Basic Insight, a company dedicated to energizing, enlightening, and equipping organizations to lead with character. He's also an, a U.S. Air Force Academy graduate and yes, sir. a 23-year veteran of our United States Air Force. So, Doc, thanks for your service and welcome to the show. Chief, I am fired up to almost an obnoxious point right now. This is, this is, I've been waiting so long to have just more conversations about this with you because this stuff matters. So thanks for taking the time. Yeah, no, thanks. Thanks uh, for everything that you've done for us in the past too. So uh, why don't, why don't we begin with, tell us about your leadership journey. So you, I mean, you've become this expert in, in leadership theory and culture and whatnot. How, how'd you get here? Well, um, 23 years, as you, as you said, uh, entered through the Air Force Academy, um, and from the beginning, I knew I wasn't going to fly. I didn't have the eyes for flying, but mm-hmm. I was drawn that direction. Honestly, my, my big brothers, I, I'm the youngest of six kids, mm-hmm. uh, one girl, five boys, and my oldest brother uh, got in the Air Force Academy. He played football for Air Force, mm-hmm. and we, that introduced us to kind of the military thing, and there was some secret sauce. When he came back the first time uh, as a little brother, I saw him, and I said, man, there's, there's something special going on here. Yeah, wow. My next oldest brother, Brian, he went to the Air Force Academy. Uh, recruited for for football and wrestling 
ended up uh, being the captain of the lacrosse team, which we hadn't even heard of lacrosse <laughs> in Florida. Um, next oldest brother, Dan, he went to uh, Normal People College, but went Army <laughs> ROTC wow. and served uh, over 20 years in uh, the reserves and retired as a colonel. Uh, my old, next older brother, Keith, he went West Point, played football mm. at West Point. So I got two Army brothers. I got some of that stink in the family. Yeah. So I uh, just sort of caught the bug and went to the Air Force Academy. And the, when I was there, the behavioral science thing kind of resonated with mm-hmm. me. I just love the people aspect of this and the leadership uh, application. I saw it as this is life. This is, this is how it shows up. You, the technology is great. But the people are what bring the technology to life and, and create the mission. So, um, so I ma- majored in something called um, human factors engineering, mm-hmm. usually cockpit design or ergonomics or something like that, or selection testing, get the right people in the right jobs. The vector I got put on by the, by the Air Force early on was leadership development. So they said, hey, we'd like you to come back and teach at the academy, sponsored by behavioral sciences and leadership department. Mm -hmm. So I got a master's in industrial organizational psychology, and my focus was small team leadership. And it's really psychology. Take that, take the human and all the funky biases and tendencies. And what do we notice? What, what do they tend to do when you put them around other people? Mm -hmm. Um, did some air force, uh, things back in the quality era. Um, uh, (laughs) spent some time, time doing that, you know, doing, doing more with less, uh, in that era but still appreciated how important it was now to get teams to perform and get the mission. And a lot of times we're working against ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, uh, I went back and I taught at the academy sort of to, to honor my, the, the uh, master's degree they sent me to get. Mm-hmm. After that, I went to the Citadel and it was an R- Air Force ROTC. So I was a leadership instructor in the Citadel. Yeah. And after a couple of years there, I got pulled up to Maxwell, the headquarters, to run the leadership piece of ROTC. Okay. Okay. So all, all the colleges and universities around the country that had an ROTC program, I was the guy in charge of kind of standardizing the, the leadership component. Uh, did a, uh, an exec uh, role for a year with General Lorenz. That name may ring a bell yeah, for a yeah. lot of people. And just yeah. a rock star leader and, and I learned a lot. Um, and after that, went to get a PhD in organizational behavior. Wow. Um, and the joke in our family is anytime I think the PhD is at all impressive, my mom will say, this is Kevin. He's, he's a doctor, but not the kind that helps anybody, right? <laughs> but uh, I dove into something called behavioral integrity. And you, I know you and I have talked about that mm-hmm. a lot. And it's that alignment, especially when you look at your leader mm-hmm. or your parent or somebody trying to influence you in your life and... Do, do they walk the values they espouse? The commitments they say are important. Do they actually bring that to life? Is a promise made a promise kept? So mm-hmm. there's certain dimensions to this. And I, that was my dissertation, was this ideal of how does behavioral integrity drive cultures of trust and accountability? Yeah. And how do you foster that? So I went back to the, uh, to the academy to run the Center for Character and Leadership Development programs there mm-hmm. and stand up sort of the scholarship directorate. And in about 2012, 2013, there, there were some issues in the Air Force. Senior leaders, senior, you know, you had trainers, you had drill instructors, you had senior civilians mm-hmm. doing stuff they knew better than to do. Right. And the, uh, the president pulls together the chairman of the Joint Chiefs and the SEC office and says, what are you going to do to elevate sort of the professional identity? We get, you got to reconnect to the commitment to this profession of arms. Mm-hmm. Um, so I got pulled up to the Pentagon to help support that response by the Air Force, uh, and was also assigned to an OSD role, um, answering the mail on a similar question to the Secretary of Defense. Um, 
And we basically tried to connect people to these conversations across all of the services. But during this period of time, I know you're familiar with PACE, Professional Arms Center of Excellence. Mm -hmm. You've helped them, you've offered them content that's, that's connected with people out in the field. So that was one of the efforts. I, I'm sure as heck wasn't a pioneer there, but contributed right. to that. Um, and then I, I retired coming out of that mm -hmm. and had been around just sharing this content and exploring it and studying it and researching it. So when I got out, I said, I love this stuff. Yeah. And you can't convince me this doesn't matter. Because right. it matters everywhere. It matters in your workplace. And man, it matters because it travels home with you too, doesn't it? it so does. um, you know, it's your identity while you do what you do. So yeah. this is my commitment. And that's why I started a company to just keep on keeping on. Yeah. Starting out. So, man, lots of great, not only education, but experience yeah. in, in this stuff. And, and we appreciate it. And, and so you mentioned uh, you, you did all that in and for the Air Force Ooh. and then you retired. Let's talk about the, the leap of faith. I yeah. think you and I talked about it one time yeah. uh, in terms of, hey, man, do I get out and work for somebody else yeah. or do I try this entrepreneurship thing? Tell me, tell me how, how that thought process went and how you came to becoming the president, CEO of yeah. Basic Insight. Well, um, Larry Basic, my dad, he has had the entrepreneurial bug all his life. And uh, that has just been a part of our family spirit. Mm -hmm. So as we, Je as Jennifer and I started to pivot and say, what's the next chapter look like? Because, you know, in the, in the, I'll tell you this, in the military, when you say re you're retiring, that sounds a lot more final <laughs> than it is. It just means what's, what's coming next. Right. So um, luckily. Let, let me I, ask, how, how old were you? I was 46. Okay. 46, 47. So. I knew what I was good at. You know, anytime you, you transition out, you go, okay, well, what, what are my strengths? What's my blind spots? Um, so I knew what I was good at. I knew what I was passionate about. Um, and I was just blessed in the regard that I'd been able to try this out for a while and just share this. And the response had been encouraging enough mm -hmm. that um, as I was starting to transition, people would tap me on the shoulder and say, hey, I heard you talk, you know, and speak before. I don't care if you're in uniform or not. Um, more of that is better. Mm -hmm. So if you have something to offer when you get out, we'd like to keep that conversation going. So there was a bit of a leap of faith. Yeah. Will the phone ring? Will people, <laughs> you know, people actually pay for this stuff? Um, mm -hmm. So, you know, Jen and I were, were very, um, I think, responsible as far as saving up in case it was just a, you're, you're just grinding it out and slugging mm -hmm. it out for six months. But we, we um, were very blessed to have a, a smoother transition than we kind of expected. Mm -hmm. But the encouraging thing, Chief, I can tell you is whether I'm speaking to the airmen or military anywhere, um, CEOs, elite athletes, mm -hmm. you strip it all away, and it's just the human experience. Yeah. This stuff never stops being important, and it never stops being challenging. Right. It always comes back to trust, accountability, mm -hmm. self-discipline. You say you're committed to this this moment in front of you now is a test to see if you're serious about it or not. You know, and it could be everything from, you know, my strategy and my company, I want to be more diligent about this, or it could be, I'm raising two teenage girls. Mm -hmm. And sometimes, doggone it, I'm not the dad I want to be. Yeah. So now what? So how do I recover in this moment? Or how do I recommit to patience or modeling the right thing? 
this stuff always, always matters. Yeah, and it's really good stuff. I mean, you've you've uh, shared with us and spoke spoke with and for us uh, for uh, like I said, a couple of years now. And I personally use uh, a lot of your stuff. Oh, great! Uh, you sent me to uh, my stand, right? You know what I stand for and against. Uh, let's go back for a minute. Uh, you talked about your brothers. Yeah. So a lot of people say service in the military is family business. I mean, yours really is yeah, family yeah. business. You had uh, all your brothers that served prior to you. You you always tell us tell us a story about football. Yeah. So your brothers played football. <laughs> you played football. But there was a important leadership lesson right. in how the coach yeah. dealt with you. Can you? Tell us, tell us a little bit about that story. Exactly, and and, and sort of the, the the drop the mic moment is the picture that I show when right, I sort of right. unveil how I compare <laughs> physically to my brothers who had basically established basic gridiron dominance in uh-huh. South Florida, right? right? So this was my tribe, man. So at 11 years old, I'm excited to finally join the basic legacy on the gridiron. And I, if you know, for those of you who can't see me, um, I currently nor have ever been the most strapping strong herculean guy in the room right <laughs> my brothers however have that look so um so they had a reputation in southwest florida the basic boys know how to play football mm-hmm. i joined my first football team and i know this is a big thing i think for our airmen too the idea of a mindset you know the mindset you go into potentially challenging situations matters so i'm going into my first football team mm-hmm. with the mindset of I've seen my brothers enough to know this is going to be tough. And I'm going to get banged around a little bit. I'm going to be stinky and smelly and sweaty and get bloody. Just I've seen it. But I want to be a part of that tribe. So bring it on. Mm-hmm. Matter of fact, the, that sort of challenge is the path to mastery. That's called growth mindset. Carol Dweck talks about, you know, I, I might not be able to do it, but not yet. Mm-hmm. I can, if I work at it, I can get better. And that was my mindset going into this football thing. So at the end of my first day, I'm 11 years old, of practice. I'm stinky, I'm smelly, I'm sweaty, just like my big brothers were. I did get my nose, my bell rung a little mm-hmm. bit. And, the, you know, it, it, it shocked me, but the way I interpreted that moment of challenge and frustration, you know, from a resilience standpoint was, you know, I'm bloody, hey, this is war paint, this is awesome, I'm playing football, <laughs> you know? So um, we're doing stretches at the end of the day. And my coach, my first ever coach, you talk about somebody in a position of leadership and influence. There's my football coach. He's walking the lines. And we're smoking and joking just like teams do. And he, we got our name, ta- our name on tape on our helmets. And he walks by me. And he looks down and sees my name on my helmet. And he grabs my face mask and pulls it up so he can see me and look me in the eyes. And he goes, basic, huh? Oh, man, what a disappointment. I thought you'd be more like your brother's. And he's joking, and everybody's laughing, and I'm laughing, but man, I ain't laughing. Mm-hmm. This was day one yeah. of my my entry into this tribe, and the person in a, a position of leadership. We're just kidding around. We're just being sarcastic. Mm-hmm. Which you you and I have talked about that. That that can be a dangerous yes. tool because it can get away from you. And in this moment, he has no had no idea of what that did in swinging the lens by which I saw myself. Because mm-hmm. we've all got that lens. And that lens is a short-term lens that basically says, here's how I see myself in this relationship, in this team, in this project. And, you know, am am I good enough? Do I fit in? Do I make sense? Can I pull this off? It's a short-term lens. But that lens over time, or if it's locked in with a sort of undeniable data point, it shapes the mindset. Mm -hmm. And the mindset is the filter through which we're going to interpret those tough moments of life. Challenge, frustration, uh, uncertainty. Mm -hmm. 
you know, how, what does this mean? How am I going to respond? Is it going to be with optimism or pessimism? Um, will, will I give it a shot? Will I take risk because I'm willing to try it out? Or do I sort of brace for impact and I, and I, and I freeze? Right. That, the mindset determines what my behaviors are going to be. This coach, in that one little moment, swung that lens and the reflection back became, I'm not safe here. Is All the fears I had about myself in this context are, are apparently true. I don't belong here. And the mindset pretty quickly, I'll tell you, by the end of the day, when I'm just, I mean, that, that, his, his comment rattled around like a BB in a box. And by the end of the day, the mindset was now, if I'm going to get popped in the nose, it's just going to be more evidence I don't fit in here, Mm. you know? And uh, luckily, two days later, we get a second coach. So the defensive position coach shows up and they're dividing us in offense and defense, second coach. Says, all right, basic, why don't you try defense? And I'm already thinking I'm probably a disappointment here too, mm-hmm. right? So we do a drill, and it doesn't go very well. I mean, heck, my, my helmet spins around mid-tackle, and I'm looking <laughs> through my ear hole, and um, the coach blows the whistle, and I'm broken. I don't need any more data. I mean, it, it's obvious what I am in this context. And as I'm walking back, this coach, now let's put it in just – your role as a leader in life mm-hmm. is to just be hungry and on the lookout for where can I adjust the lens into a healthier position so people see the potential in themselves. People's insecurities are met with something of, of support. That I, As a leader, part of my job is to look for where I can adjust lenses because I've got the ability to adjust that maybe in a unique way. Mm-hmm. And they'll listen to it. Maybe they'll lock it in in a, a powerful way. So this guy pulls me aside after I've just had this failure moment in this tackling drill. And he goes, let me tell you something. What I just saw right there, that kind of effort, you sticking with the play no matter what happened to your uniform. Your equipment got all jacked up. I know it. I saw it. But you stuck with it. That, let me tell you, that kind of effort makes great ball players. We're lucky to have you on this team. And I'm not the only one who just noticed that. Mm. All right, get back in line. Yeah. It didn't cost him nothing. Right. But man, the dude was tuned into the moment at hand. And as soon as he got up from his knee, because he was eyeball to eyeball, I'm walking to the back of the line go, I got a new purpose. Man, mm-hmm. my lens is back in place. And my reflection now is, Coach, you thought that was good. Watch this. Yeah. And it went from hopeless to hopeful. Boom. Because of an unremarkable, what I call touch point moment. But the leader was paying attention. Yeah. That was a key. In your experience, uh, which, which scenario is more prevalent in our Air Force? You know, the the ones we talk about the most mm-hmm. are the toxic ones. And, you know, the person doing all, uh, you know, they, they I can't believe they said that in a staff meeting. And, um, you know, this this broke my heart. And Lord knows those endure. Those are the <laughs> ones that, that have a lot of salience mm-hmm. and they carry on. Because Lord knows all of us have some of these scars that we've carried for, throughout our lives. When somebody in a position of respect and authority has... Um, has said something that that effect is positive or negative mm-hmm. but i gotta tell you chief i'm encouraged okay i i, I am encouraged yeah. that there are a lot of people in the air force many of whom let me foot stomp this many of whom are not in formal leadership roles got it who just are tuned in to the importance of those touch point moments maybe because they've got the scars from the ones that went wrong mm-hmm. but i don't want to downplay the fact that there are a lot of people out there that have their heart in the right place, that are looking for that. And Lord knows, I think 
the Air Force is, is doing a good job of highlighting the importance of resilience. Mm-hmm. And this is where this is where resilience meets the heart. Yeah. In these yeah. moments. I, I think uh, you know, we, we should continue and I agree with you. I've come across and and been able to witness lots of leaders in our Air Force, some in positions and some not that are much more like coach number two. Good. Um, yeah. But I would, I, I, I'd be uh, a little bit irresponsible yeah. to not believe that there are a lot of, you know, coach number ones out there. And, yeah. and one of the things uh, you mentioned earlier when we were talking, uh, you have been paying attention to our Air Force Wingman Outreach yeah. page. And, man, the big topic that lots of people have been talking about is toxic, toxic leadership. leadership. Toxic yeah. leadership. Uh, what's your thoughts on not just toxic leadership, but the page in general and how yeah. the page functions? Well, you know, the toxic leadership thing, you can't <clears throat> help but scratch your head and go, how do people like that get in positions of leadership? So mm-hmm. then the question becomes, is it you know, a systemic thing? Do we accidentally reinforce the things that we don't want? And then we, we pull people who think that's appropriate up to positions mm-hmm. where they can really do some damage. And I think some of that happens. Now, um, a, a good, a great colleague and mentor of mine, a guy named Gordy Kerfey, he's done a lot of research with Bob Hogan in this area of uh, um, leadership psychology. And one study they did a while ago looked at what do the followers want from leaders and what the leaders want from followers. And one thing he, one nuance he pointed out that I thought was interesting was leaders, formal leaders, oftentimes are looking for competence and performance in their followers just mm-hmm. hit your numbers you know this uh, just accomplish the mission do what you got to do where the followers are looking up channel and what they want from their leaders is character right so then if you think about who's doing the promoting who it's the people in the leadership position mm-hmm. right it's the people who are looking down going i want you to hit your numbers so they might be only focusing on the um sort of the the quantitative things because that's where their focus is. We've got to answer the mail, so hit your, hit your numbers, but they're not looking at the body bags left behind, so to speak, mm-hmm. and the damage that's done. Uh, so culture and climate surveys can give us some indication of whether the person being promoted for the numbers is also creating a healthy environment for their people. So it is heartbreaking when you see the page to see how many people go, I'm, I'm struggling, um, and my leadership doesn't seem to care. It, that's a perception, right? right? Perception's reality. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes they say I'm struggling because of my leader. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's unfortunate how many case studies show up on that page. Right. But I'll tell you where I'm encouraged. And I was just talking about this yesterday uh, with the folks in A1Z who are, you know, the integrated the resilience folks. Um, I said, this is, the page is cool because it just doesn't feel like a, a big programmatic initiative. It doesn't feel like this thing forced down from on high that you guys have to do in the Air Force. It's a space that for some reason has gotten a little bit of groove and people go, I can put myself out there. No, it's anonymous, but I can, I can be vulnerable. I can share. And it's not just a gripe session, but what's so cool is to see the comments below it. It ain't trolling. It's not people just, oh, big whiner and all that. It is airmen rushing to walk alongside other airmen mm-hmm. going, hey, I've been there too. Or let me help you put your perspective in a different, you know, let, let's reframe it. Maybe that can be helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe I'm in a position of leadership and, you know, to hear your story, maybe you don't realize where the leader's heart might be better than you realize. But the majority of the, the comments below are 
honest, sincere, I got your back. I don't know who you are or where you are, but private message me. Right. And I will walk alongside you, or I've got, we'll get into this, I've got a battle cry. Battle they don't cry. say it, but they say, I, there's something that I said during my period of life when I was going through something similar to you that helped me endure or get strength or reconnect to my, my why. So for me, I love the forum. Mm -hmm. It doesn't feel like it's artificial. Um, and it's a perfect case study of what could be, because it cuts across all the domains of resilience. Right. Sometimes the airmen re uh, respond to other airmen by saying things that speak to the, the physical domain. Mm -hmm. You got to take care of yourself, man. You're burning yourself out and sleep. You know, I know you spoke to the SEAC and, mm -hmm. you know, this rest thing, don't, you know, you got to take care of yourself or you got to put your family every once in a while right. first or else the consequences are unacceptable. Mm -hmm. Um, so sometimes they speak to social, sometimes it's physical, sometimes it's spiritual, and that doesn't have to be religious, but they offer things and say, this might help you in the storm you're in. I right. like that analogy. Everybody has storms. Yeah. These days in the Air Force, and this is hot on your scope, it's the suicide thing. Mm -hmm. you know? And obviously sexual assault is something that we've always got to keep on our scope. But sometimes in the tactical pause in the down days that focus on one of these big topics, a lot of people in the audience are going, hey, I'm already bought into that. Mm -hmm. you, you sold me, and I'm willing to walk alongside people if that shows up. But I got to tell you, that's not where I'm at right now. I'm raising teenage kids, right. or my dad's going into memory care, or I'm struggling with debt, or I'm in over my health, my, my head at work, or I got toxic boss, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. I'm struggling with that storm everybody's got storms in their life. They're either getting ready for a storm, they're in a storm, or maybe they're recovering from a storm trying to put the pieces together. And uh, you see that on the Wingman Outreach page too. It's people describe their storm, yeah. and folks walk up and say, I've had winds like that. Right, which, is, which directly alludes to your battle cry yeah. you know, theory. So you, know, we, you, you, you came to me and, and we talked about uh, this idea of you know people have these mantras or battle cries mm -hmm. and and you see it play out and I see it play out. No, nobody puts on the page, hey, this is my battle cry and exactly. you should try it. But that's exactly what it is. So so tell us about you know what battle cry. What 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 is what is that? Yeah. What what are we talking about? So if you think about the toughest thing you've ever endured successfully in your life, mm -hmm. okay, um, or the toughest challenge you've ever faced, the hardest thing you've ever done and, and accomplished. There were probably times where there was a voice in your head that was trying to talk you out of continuing on, mm -hmm. right? Or you were getting ready for it, right? These storms don't have to be negative. It can be, hey, I'm getting ready to go to grad school, um, or I'm, I'm going to, we're having our first child. Mm -hmm. This is exciting, but I, I don't know if I can pull this off. All of a sudden, the voice starts, I don't know if I can do this. This is going to suck, mm -hmm. and I, I, I'm not ready for People like me can't do this. The insecurities show up, and that voice matters. And when the winds are howling, if we find ourselves in a storm, then the voice changes a little bit. I mm -hmm. can't go on. It's not worth it. Now, it might be, hey, I'm doing my first marathon, and on mile 14, right. the voice is like, this just ain't your day, man. Mm -hmm. Just give up. Your legs hurt too bad. It's, you, you know, you're done. Right. Something happens there so that you keep putting one step and one foot in front of the other, right? Um, some people do face sexual assault or trauma or something and the voice sometimes is i'm broken nobody will understand this i'm useless i'm useless sometimes the storms don't abate sometimes your soul just gets soaked over and over again and mm -hmm. you don't get relief and then you might end up at a place where the voice says it's hopeless and that all of a sudden makes 
certain options seem very appealing. Right. And and the so and and there are a lot of people who hear that voice. A lot of people who hear. I mean, you work out. Mm-hmm. Okay. I, I consider you an elite athlete. How about that? Uh, okay. I don't know about that. So you are. <laughs> Let's say you are midway through your just over-the-top workout, mm-hmm. and the voice starts in your head, that's, that's good enough. Mm-hmm. That's fine. I can't go on one more rep. Um, uh, just, just quit now. Today's not your day, mm-hmm. right? You've worked out hard enough this week. Just mail it in for the rest of the workout. I hear that voice, too. Mm-hmm. I'm still putting my shoes on while I'm hearing it, but you are halfway through <laughs> a heck of a workout. I bet you say something. Yeah. To yourself mm-hmm. during that workout that and here's what a battle cry does it either gives you strength it helps shorten the 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 distance of the goal to the next step i mean you go through boot camp sometimes the battle cry is if i can just make it to the next meal mm-hmm. you know because the voice in my head saying I just quit i can't do this i'm done that just that little response just the next meal that mm-hmm. shortens the horizon here's a battle cry that shows up so much and it might not be phrased like this exactly sometimes it is on the wingman outreach page but it's consistent control what you can control Mm -hmm. just don't worry yourself with the stuff you can't control that sounds a lot like the serenity prayer right for people who find themselves battling certain storms Mm -hmm. um sometimes the battle cry is um it is what it is which is a control thing Mm -hmm. um sometimes it's this too shall pass which means just be patient endure it so there's there's a million of these things, and they can be maxims. They can be phrases. It could be a, 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 a quote. I was listening to Invictus today, and how many people just when they're, yeah. I am, you know, I'm a captain of my soul. Right. I mean, it might shorten down to just that, but there's, for some people, battle cries don't, the same battle cries don't always resonate with everybody, but man, there's something, it might be a psalm. You mm-hmm. know, sometimes it's spiritual. Sometimes it's something your parents said. Um, I'll give you, if I can give you an example, yeah. my, so uh, there was a time when my mom and dad uh, got hit with some financial challenges, big financial challenges in their golden years that were going to be tough. And it took the wind out of their sails and things just happened to be timed right when the bottom fell out of the market, mm-hmm. you know, 2008. And it was heartbreaking for everybody. And, you know, it was heartbreaking for, for family members that were involved in this. Obviously, my mom, her, you know, her heart broke for my dad, who was, you know, put so much of himself into this. But these were her golden years, too. So I go down to see them because I'm worried about them. Because this, you talk about voices in their head. I'm worried about what they're, they're thinking themselves and beating themselves up about. And I said, Dad, where are you at on this? How, how, what, what are you thinking as you're going through this? And he said, Kevin... All I know how to do, all I've ever known how to do, is just keep showing up. Just attitude and effort, that's all I got. That's all I got to work with. And I got to think that if I keep doing that, there's a brighter day coming. And that's just a battle cry. Yeah. And But when you hear the story behind the battle cry, you kind of get the context. And all of a sudden, just keep showing up means something. And the beauty of a battle cry is we can share them. Mm-hmm. And we can go, hey, your journey is different than mine. But maybe you're hearing a voice that's similar to the one I heard on my own journey. Let me offer you something that helped. And I just I shared this concept. It's been coming together. And believe me, there's a lot of nerdy research behind this. There's cognitive behavioral science. There's uh, post-traumatic growth. There's a lot of the resilient stuff. So I shared this in a first uh, tactical pause at uh, Davis Monthan. Mm-hmm. And I, I got sort of a, a approval to share this story here. And... 
you know, usually when we talk about resilience, by definition, that means you're bouncing back from something. You're emerging, and maybe you're putting this trauma in perspective and then uh, and defining a new life narrative. That, that's helpful. So I get off the stage. I talked about the different phases and the, the battle cry that can help sort of attend to the voices in the different phases. And, and this major, Sue Ellen White, Major White, mm -hmm. Snow White is actually what they call her, she came up and she goes, um, I appreciate you focusing on phases of the storm other than the resilience phase because she goes, I don't know if I ever get out of the storm I'm in. Her husband, Chase, in, uh, on Thursday, the 29th of November in 2018, he's an Air Force reservist, but he was also a, uh, a U.S. Marshal. And on that Thursday, he goes, you know, they kiss each other goodbye. They got four kids. Everybody goes off to do their day. He goes to serve a warrant to some bad dude who's been doing some bad stuff. Guy comes out with guns blazing, shoots a bunch of people. Her husband's dead. Boom, 530 on a Thursday night. Mm. Four kids left behind. Her heart's broken. The world is rocked. And uh, she's in that storm. Now, this is a year later when I see her. She, I come off this stage, and she said, I, I don't know if I ever get out of the storm. I'll be honest with you. Right now, I'm in a place where it would feel like I'm dishonoring him by saying, oh, I'll now put this in perspective or, you know, I'll pivot to sort of a new journey in my life. She goes, uh, every day is a battle. The winds are just howling because he's not there. And these four kids miss him and love him. And um, I'm just, I'm, I'm trying to endure, find strength. So we were talking through this and here's what came up in the conversation. She said, um, you know, I read a lot about grief and recovery and all that. And I read this one thing just in a book. I didn't think it would kind of land with me, but it did for some reason. And I put it on a post-it and it's on my refrigerator and I just read it every day. And I'm thinking to myself, this is your battle cry. For some reason, this gives you strength mm -hmm. when you hear voices to say, it's not worth even waking up today. Whatever the voice is, this for some reason, and here's what her post-it says. Again, it's a borrowed battle cry because it came from somebody else. Mm -hmm. It says, and here's what she chose to put on this post. It says, choose life, not death. Do not lose what you have to what you have lost. And she said, this guy's taking enough from my family. My family has lost enough. Mm. And if we focus on what's been lost, he's taking even more from us. And I choose today, that's not the case. Mm -hmm. It still hurts. I still have tough days. But this phrase reminds me I have a choice. That's another part of a battle cry. I have a choice, and I've shortened the horizon to today. How am I going to live it with my kids? And you know what? We're going to make something that Chase will be proud of. We're going to try to bring the legacy to life. We're going to try to, you know, to, to honor that. And I just thought that is, that's about as powerful as it gets. Now, she will be the first to admit nobody else is on the journey she's on. Mm -hmm. But the voices she hears in her tough moments are similar. You've been homesick, I bet. Mm. Have you been homesick? You travel a lot. Sometime throughout your career, do you go, man, I'd love to be home, or I miss yeah, it, or yeah, yeah. There, I hear that too. Mm -hmm. You know, um, I mean, we're we're both adults. We've been doing this a long time, but since you and I are kind of road warriors, in those moments where that little voice—it's not tragic kind of voice in mm -hmm. our head—but uh, you know, I'm out here doing something that would make my my family proud. Yeah, you know, that might be enough to go put things in perspective and go on no that that makes sense i i like the idea of the battle cry um i i do think though that what's 
maybe most important in the battle cry is the story yeah. behind, Amen. you know, the, like if, if Major White was sharing that, mm -hmm. hey, this is the battle cry that I use. Um, some people might say, uh, yeah, okay, I, I can see that. But yeah. once she says, hey, this is what happened yeah. with my husband and the four kids and how challenging, yeah. it, challenging it is, and now this battle cry helps yes. me. Then I think people say, ah, uh, that's yeah, the, that's no, where no, the secret sauce no, is. Absolutely, that's where the secret right. sauce is. Yeah, good. Hey, do you uh, you miss wearing the uniform? I do. Now I get the blessing. I'd say about eighty percent of my clients yeah. are still military, so ah. I get to hang around the family all the time. <laughs> you know, um, and you know, uh, I there are certain things that I don't miss, and it's usually just kind of administrative stuff, mm -hmm. you know, but I get all the good stuff. I get to hang around the folks. I get to, to have the conversations and in between sessions, you know, people pull me aside and, Hey, let's talk about this. I mean, good grief. Look at this. I'm yeah. sitting across the table from the chief master of the air force <laughs> talking about cool stuff. So I don't feel like I've unplugged at any stretch. I'm kind of on a really cool TDY right now. Yeah. Yeah. What, what about, uh, what, what'd you learn about yourself, uh, during all, you know, 23 years doing a lot of things. Uh, yeah. What was the key takeaway? Uh, that you learned about you? Well, um, you, you know, I write this letter to myself at certain transition mm -hmm. points and, and every few, uh, few years where I'll say, okay, so what have I learned about myself coming out of that last season? And I've learned what I'm passionate about. I learned, I know I have a heart of a teacher. Um, when people say, hey, will you do a keynote? I'll do keynotes, you know, 45 minutes. But I don't, I feel so constrained because we really don't get to talk about this stuff or explore it. And I want to, I want to, I'm not teaching, I'm offering things, and I think it's cool if we get to dive into it together. So I've, I've discovered I like workshops because I have the heart of a teacher. I have discovered I am a knucklehead. <laughs> I am, I study leadership, I appreciate mm -hmm. leadership, I've, done, I, I've been in positions of leadership, but it is a moment-to-moment -moment journey. And I've, I keep coming back to the importance of recommitting to who I'm trying to be in certain roles as a dad, as a husband, as a, as a business owner, as a, you know, as a customer or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, the commitment is a challenge is you say you're committed to this. Mm -hmm. Here comes a moment. Life shows up moment by moment. Here, look, prove if you're serious or not. Right. And my dear friend and mentor, Arthur Schwartz said, anytime you make a commitment, you sacrifice some freedom. Because you said, I choose this. Matter of fact, I declare this. Therefore, I'm, this is no longer an option. And, you, and it could be, a, I mean, you, you willingly accept that. When we take an oath, mm -hmm. we raise our hand and go, okay, I know what the deal is. I'm in. Therefore, I am comfortable, and you can even hold me accountable for the stuff I just chose not to do. That's kind of the deal. So I've, what have I learned? I've learned the importance of, of the commitments you make. And how challenging it is to actually bring those values and commitments to life. Yeah. This is the, the challenge. This is the journey that I get excited about um, introducing to people. Um, but I struggle. I'll tell you where I struggle. Um, and I knew this was going to be a vulnerable flank. Okay, this is um, before the storm. As I was pivoting out of the Air Force, I said, I'm going to be working from home. And I know I'm going to get lonely. Because I love popping into each other's offices. I love when the, the, the team or the unit is together and we're sort of riffing or just brainstorming stuff or leaning on each other. I'm not going to have that anymore, and I know I'm going to miss it. So given that I know those storms are coming and the voice is coming that's going to go, man, you just feel, you feel disconnected, don't you? That I had to engineer a tribe. 
I've got to deliberately engineer a group of folks that I kind of connect with mm-hmm. um, to feed that in me. And I've realized um, it's more important to me than I thought it was. So when I don't deliberately sort of huddle the tribe back together, um, it, it affects me. Yeah. And I got to own that. Yeah, that's good. I, I think uh, you, an, a really important point in that story is, man, you got to know yourself. You yeah. got to know. Yeah. Uh, I'm like you. I'm, I'm an extrovert and I like being around people and mm. I got to have people around me. I'll struggle with the same thing as I transition yes, later sure. this year and and uh, attempt to work from home and. But I'll be a part uh, of your tribe. tribe I'll, I'll yeah. be available. I'm, I'm on speed dial or whatever you use at your level. You flash a big logo up in the sky or something. I, I assume I've seen the movies. Yeah. So, um, yeah. yeah, you've got you've got a tribe. You just got to pull them together. Yeah. Uh, one of the things that we like to do with the show is we like to take questions from sometimes they come from Reddit or Facebook or, or Twitter or what have you. And uh, so I'm going to turn it over to uh, Harry Kibbe and uh, let him ask you a few questions from from folks who wrote in or called in. Bring it on. Thank you, Chief. Our questions this week come from uh, Facebook and Reddit, and the uh, submitters will have their choice of either a Chief Master Sergeant of the Air Force coin or a patch that we'll be sending to them. First question comes from Ian Aishin on Facebook. He wants Dr. Basic's opinion on how we might continue to move forward and change as an Air Force without compromising the artifacts and shared values that make up our organizational culture. Yeah, so artifacts um, and stories, traditions, those are important elements of any culture. Sometimes they're accidental in, in finding their way in the culture, and sometimes um, they're deliberate. So the Air Force can continue to move forward by embracing that. I mean, her- this is heritage and history and all that. But it's got to be intentional and value-added, is sometimes we hold on to things that undermine the health of the tribe because, man, this oh, we've been doing this since the very beginning. Sometimes those story, that, that assumption right there is wrong, is that new people show up and just assume this has been here from the beginning, mm-hmm. is that this, this just showed up because, you know, 22 years ago, some major thought this would be funny, and then it just kind of never went away. But that doesn't mean that's part of who we are. So I think we as an Air Force can move forward by identifying what traditions, what symbols, what artifacts just bring us pride and move us forward and rally us around that identity. And which ones, you know, sometimes a culture needs to acknowledge which ones don't serve us anymore because the world has changed or we're better than that sometimes. And to step away from that, mm-hmm. um, it, it feels weird at the time because we're so used to it. And the analogy I use for a, a culture a lot of times is a river. If you've ever been tubing down a river, you're floating there, and the river is the way we do things. It's the way we talk to each other. It's mm-hmm. the way we, we celebrate or don't celebrate. It's the way we gossip. It's, it's the good stuff and the bad stuff. Um, it's also the artifacts and stories. And this current is like a river that you're on an inner tube down. And if you've ever hopped out of a tube, you realize how strong that current is. If you've tried to walk against the current, you realize how badly that current wants to keep moving in the direction it's already going. And the current is taking you, as you float down it, towards a default future. If we, if we just keep on keeping on, if we don't change anything, we are going to end up here. Mm-hmm. Whether that's good or bad, I don't know. But we're going to end up here if we keep doing it this way. Part of leadership I think this is the definition of leadership for crying out loud, 
is creating a better future than otherwise would have existed. Right. So it's, we're going to change the default future. This is good, but let me tell you where we're going to go is to now pivot and say, it's that shore right there. And all of a sudden it's going to be tough because the current's going to want to keep pulling you to the first shore. But you're now moving towards another shore, which requires the leaders especially to plant their feet firmly as they walk. And, you know, the, I can play out this analogy to, way, way over past this prime, but even people, the, the older folks who are floating down the river, it's comfortable to keep doing it the way we've been doing it. Mm-hmm. So it's like somebody on a tube grabbing you and trying to pull you back into their tube. And you're like, no, that's the old shore. We're going here. So we, as an Air Force, need to be deliberate about what we embrace and what we let go of, because what shore are we aiming at? Yeah. Hey, on this on this topic, we recently, uh, it was probably uh, right before you or after you spoke the last time with us, a guy by the name of Jim Knight, uh, yeah. author of Culture That yes. Rocks. And Great guy. Hard yeah, Rock I talked Cafe, to him on the phone. Customer service guru. You know, he kind of he alluded to this idea that uh, tradition and heritage and some of these things that, that Ian is talking about, not really culture. Culture is kind of made up of the people. Yeah. And every time the leader changes, the culture changes. And every time you leave or I leave, whether we're the leader right. or not, the, the, the culture changes. And so if you want to change the culture, then you should really focus more on uh, the people uh, as opposed to the things and the artifacts and, and whatnot. That, that uh, I think I, I always thought that was a very interesting mm-hmm. um, theory that, it, that he has. Yeah, the, and the symbols and artifacts, they just signal to the people mm-hmm. what we're about. But mm-hmm. obviously who you bring into the tribe right. matters, how, you, how people advance here, how they survive, what they're allowed to say. How, I mean, it can be everything from how we conduct meetings around here. So there's the, the people are a critical element of the culture. And Lord knows the people in leadership positions are the ones who demonstrate whether we're really serious about being this or not. Mm-hmm. And if, for example, if the senior leaders say, we will not tolerate this um, as our culture, this, the brand, the people in the shop right now go, this is not who we're trying to be. And if people look around at the symbols on the walls or the patches or the call signs or whatever you have, and they go, that doesn't look like it's in alignment with what you just said. Right. I got to make sense out of that. Mm-hmm. And here's, this is my, my line of work. Now we're down to behavioral integrity. You say this and I'm seeing this and chief, you heard me say this. If the video doesn't match the audio, they're going with the video every time. Mm-hmm. And the leader is the video. Wow. If you allow it, you endorse it. So it goes. That's profound. Hey, I said something profound. I hope my mom is listening. <laughs> That'll be a preview. Please tell me the next okay. one's from my mom. <laughs> She's not one, on Twitter. I promise you that. The next one is from, oh, look, Mrs. Basic. Hey! <laughs> <laughs> the next one comes from Reddit, sir. It's um, it's from an individual tagged in Favol, who is a toddler LT. Uh, right. That's their flair. <laughs> and uh, they'd like to know, uh, he's, he or she says, I see many people in supervisor command roles who are effective at the technical and managerial aspects of their jobs, but they lack the skills to connect with people, especially when it comes to developing cross-functional teams. What should the Air Force do to develop more well-rounded and socially engaged leaders at all levels? Yeah, the the soft skills are are so important. I think the the train is starting to move to recognize that, especially when you hear so many conversations about toxic leadership, is the consequence when there's toxic leadership or when there's just technical expertise, but not the, the people side of it, um, the, we've, we've got plenty of data points to demonstrate it's unacceptable what happens when they're only good at the technical stuff. Now, I'll tell you this. 
the research is clear. This is not just unique to the military. It is one of the top reasons why leaders derail. There's a whole area of research called management derail. One of the top reasons is because um, they cannot successfully manage teams. Why? Because so often they go, man, you are a great technician. You are a great you know, um, uh, person in your specialty. And now we're going to move you up and put you in charge of other technicians. Well, that's a whole different skill set. So we've got to add um, what does is, what is real feedback look like? What, 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 here's here's a, an important confidence and competence building element when it comes to the soft skills. It is scripts. It's not quite battle cries, but you're going to have to nav navigate tough conversations as a supervisor. Okay, so, so what the toddler LT, that's coming. You're going to have to hold peers accountable. You are going to have to admit to your flight or your squadron that you made a mistake. Um, you are going to have to give somebody who is older than you tough feedback that is accurate, but it's going to be icky. Okay, these things are coming, and the reason why a lot of people avoid them or stumble around them is because they don't know how do I even start this conversation? How do I navigate this in a way that can achieve the outcome and be successful? So we've got to, you know, there's something to be said for, for case studies, um, for having real roundtable discussions about let's throw a scenario on the table. Let's talk about what you would do. I thought I was great at giving feedback. And then during squadron officer school, I got pulled up in the front of the room and they said, okay, here's your scenario. Sit down with this guy. Look, look at his report, now give him feedback. And it was a train wreck. I mean, I stumbled and tripped <laughs> and guffawed and all that. And, you know, I came out of there going, oh, I'm not as good looking as I think I am. Um, and they give me some tools, but it wasn't until a little bit later on I had a mentor. That's another important thing. A mentor who, who's leading the way you would want to lead. You see it done right. To be humble enough to acknowledge, I need to add some of these skills to my, my tool set. And I'm struggling with these sort of scenarios. Um, I had somebody, Jeff Nelson, I, be, I believe it was Jeff Nelson, um, he was a lieutenant colonel, and he said, here's how I approach feedback. I, I say, all right, here's, here's the sheet you're going to be evaluated on. Here's a sheet that um, we'll, we'll make two copies. I want you to evaluate yourself just on a one scale, one to ten on the dimensions. I'm going to do the same. I want you to circle the two that you think you're strongest in and the two you think you're weakest in. Okay? I'm going to do the same. Then we're going to get together and we're going to compare what we circled and you might have beat yourself up about something I see you as strong on. It's an important conversation, but man, that was cool that Jeff gave me the tool that helped navigate an interpersonal conversation that otherwise might've been awkward. Now I didn't say anything in that story about what my technical role was, but no matter what your technical role is, you're going to have to do the people thing. And, um, the number one, so the number two reason why managers, good managers derail is because they can't successfully manage and lead teams. The number one thing that causes people to derail is interpersonal problems, you know, is that they cannot, they don't know how to navigate just regular conversations, um, tough conversations, manage conflict, not eliminate, not avoid conflict, but how do you manage conflict? My parents taught, my parents have been married 63 years. Before I got married, they said, Kevin, it's not how you argue, or I'm sorry, it's not that you argue, it's how you argue. You're going to argue, hmm. but is it with respect? And let it, hopefully we have modeled what that looks like. Um, so I think for the Air Force, it is just an absolute recognition that, yeah, you got to be competent. You've got to be checked off on your technical skills. But um, 
you've in the workshops I've done with you, Chief, we talk about, we ask people, if somebody's going to successfully lead you, they had better blank. And I get that response now from 15,000 people. The top three things, the third highest rated thing is, if you're going to lead me, you had better be competent. You better know your stuff. Okay, so hopefully, yeah, the Air Force is good at making sure you know your stuff. But the top two, the second most common is, you better demonstrate you care about me and the people you lead. And you want to know how to do that? Listen to me. Admit when you're wrong. Know my story. Um, uh, just demonstrate that your, your heart is in the right place. Ask for help. You don't have to even agree with my ideas, but do I feel like you're sincerely listening? Those sort of things, how you talk to us and about us does matter. So that's the number two most common thing. The number one most common thing people say, if, if you're going to lead me, successfully, you had better lead by example, lead by the right example. You show me what right looks like and it'll fill in the gaps on everything else. All right. Uh, on that note, I'd like to apologize because I made a mistake earlier today. I told you boss was somewhere. I thought I told you he was at Maxwell last week. He wasn't, he was in Florida. That's my bad. I have a feeling well, he they was do call, everywhere. They do call that area lower uh, Alabama. That's lower right. Alabama. Oh, okay. I have a feeling he was everywhere. <laughs> All right. So um, it's been it's been bugging me ever since, uh, brother. I got you. You're, right. you're good with me. Our last question um, that we selected comes from Reddit and Facebook. They asked a similar question. Salty McSaltyson from Reddit and Joanna Milney on Facebook um, asked questions about stress and resilience, mm. and um, they noticed that while going to mental health and other agencies, those things can improve and prevent yeah. issues. Um, we get the most bang for the buck when we're able to connect with our fellow wingman. Yeah. How do we encourage that type of communication, that open dialogue with our fellow wingman? Yeah, the, um, so this is about trust, okay? When people don't feel like it's safe to have certain conversations, to raise their hand and, and say, I'm struggling. If they perceive it's not safe to do that, they don't raise their hand, right? They, they hoard that information. They try and keep it in. So we've got to demonstrate it's safe. Well, this is a big invitation for trust. How do you, how do you build trust? And, and it's a demonstration that my heart is in the right place and that I'm sincerely interested in you. So, so Salty McSaltinson, I love Salty the names that come out of this. <laughs> yeah. So ask specifically his question again. I want to make sure that I, I get okay. right to it. How can we further empower our people to to care, yeah. to give that extra care that prevents another year of suicides? Yeah, that, that's an interesting question because I got thrown by the word empower. How do we empower our people to care? You got all the power you need to demonstrate you care about people. Right. Um, it's just tough to do. It's you gotta, You've got to demonstrate that you're on the hunt for it. You've got may, maybe empowering comes with demonstrating the the value that comes with taking the time to express interest and concern. One of the activities I had a group yesterday do was um, they were they were in two lines. So I had 30 people. So there are two lines of 15. They're facing each other. So they're one-on-one -on -one with each other. And I said, uh, you've got a whole list of questions just to kind of get to know each other. But one of the questions I want you to ask in this round is um, who is one person that's not in your immediate work area because there's sort of four functions in this group I was working with one person who's not in your immediate work area that you're impressed with or proud of or inspired by okay because they're in this room here but it's not the people that are kind of in your cubicle cl cluster so just ask each other that 
So they spent three minutes doing that, and everybody's talking. Everybody's got somebody. So um, we went back in the room, and I, I asked a few of them to share, hey, would anybody mind sharing who they said? And somebody raises their hand and said, oh, yeah, I'll be honest. It was uh, Sergeant so-and-so. I've only been here for a couple of weeks, but I got to say, his attitude that he brings, it seems to bring everybody together. And what was cool was everybody else in the room went, mm-hmm, yeah, they, I get that, absolutely. And Sergeant so-and-so just kind of lit up, just going, Kind of cool to be, I, you know, I don't need that, but man, it's kind of cool to be recognized. And I said, this costs you nothing, right? To just walk up to somebody during lunch, because we're about to have lunch, just, I challenge you. That's how sad it is that I have to challenge people. I challenge you to walk up to whoever it was and say, you are my person. I just want to tell you, I'm impressed or inspired by you. And here's why. And I watched a few people actually accept the challenge over lunch. They're holding plates. They walk up. Hey, you are my person. I got to say, it's because... I know how hard your job is, and you just, you never show up with excuses. You're always solution-focused, and I think that's so cool. And the response from that person was just off the charts. Just, it fed something in them. So part of this is, you are empowered. It's a little social, socially awkward to step into that water and invest in people or acknowledge, I see something in you you might not see in yourself. Or, you know, I'm struggling, I could use your help. That's a vulnerability gesture, and that starts a volley of trust too. So um, you, you've got all the tools you need to demonstrate you care about the people around you. And here's the other thing. When you do that, you've made the implicit explicit, and you've probably just modeled what right looks like to some people around you, and maybe they'll be pulled to action. That's great. Thank you very much, sir. Um, listeners out there, if you'd like to connect with Dr. Basic, you can Check him out at basicinsight.com. He's also on LinkedIn, and has, he has some really good videos on YouTube. Thanks. Thank you. Back to you, Chief. All right. Thanks. Thanks, And, Harry. Mom, uh, I'll call you later on this afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, appreciate it, Harry. Thanks, and uh, thanks for the listeners for the great questions. Uh, what are you reading these days? I, uh, I, th I thought I had sent you a book, but now I'm starting to question myself. There's one book out there that's really odd. Okay, it's called The Greatest Salesman in the World by Og Mandino. It's a little, it's a little parable. Okay. It's a short book, um, but it's, it's sort of, it really doesn't have much to do with sales. Mm -hmm. It's about living a life of, of purpose. And when you do that, people are, are drawn to that. And success, however you define that, can, can show up. And there's an interesting little sort of yeah. uh, religious twist in the, in the book, but it's a one flight kind of read. Right. But I have a feeling you'll, you'll be underlining dog ear and you'll buy copies for people and give it out because it's just weird. The other one I just read um, last week was The Advantage by, by oh, his name is, is, uh, is leaving me, but it's the guy who also wrote The Five Dysfunctions of Team Lencioni. Lencioni, yeah. Um, the Advantage. The Advantage. And right. he talks about in there, among other things, um, you need to identify not only your core values, but your aspired values. Mm -hmm. Okay, here's the ones that I want to have, but I'm not living out. Here's my accidental values. If somebody were watching my life, you would say, I don't know if it's intentional or not, but it looks like this is a value of yours. And then what he calls pay-to-play uh, value. So there's there's some neat a neat model in there that might be useful for individuals and teams. Yeah, good. Um, I, I've been uh, reading uh, Talking to Strangers. Yeah. Um, Gladwell. Yep, Gladwell. Nice. Really, really good. Simon Sinek's The Infinite Game. Uh, and they seem like, hey, these are the popular authors, but yeah. man, these these books are really good. And then uh, I'm I'm reading Never Split the Difference, 
Um, I've heard that one so many times, and I uh, that's doggone. I got to add it to my my list yeah, of books. But yeah, I'm halfway through. I'm halfway through Simon's book right now, and I got introduced to the concept. You know, I'll, I'll name drop through him uh-huh. a few years ago because he had supported some stuff we were doing at the Pentagon yeah. at the Academy. Great guy, big brain. Just when you think you've thought of something cool, he Man. opens his mouth and he. With with total humility and as well deserved, you're like, oh, that's what brilliance sounds yeah. like. Doggone it! Right. <laughs> Thought I was close, not even close. Yeah. What about uh, how do you unwind? I mean, you live a busy life, just just like me and like like most successful people. Yeah. Um, you know, what what do you do? Any hobbies? Anything in particular you do to keep yourself sane? My, um, you know, I got two teenage daughters, so now we're back into soccer season. Mm-hmm. So my wife is a rock star, superstar, and logistics powerhouse. So in, a diff- in addition to having her own business, she gets the kids to everywhere they need to be. So when I'm home, honestly, I get a lot of pleasure from um, trying to add value to the team because mm-hmm. she's been doing it for so long while I'm on the road. So um, I, so uh, soccer practices and games on the weekends, I'm obnoxious because I'm like, hey, I like everybody to get up so we're not wasting time. It feels like we're wasting time when I'm home. Dad, we just want to sleep in. So I fight that battle a little bit. Um, but we've got some upcoming trips. So I'd rather do stuff than have stuff. That's one of my battle cries, mm-hmm. especially when the window is closing on having our kids home. Because as I've said in some of the workshops, um, it's possible to perfectly hit the wrong target. And that scares the heck out of me. And I, I just want to get it right. Yeah, good. Um, lots of great stuff that you teach in your workshops and that you write about and and that I know you you uh, pass along to mm-hmm. all different audiences what's the one thing like if you had just hey if I just got a few minutes to, to pass along yeah. uh, something about behavior integrity or what you stand for or you know leadership in general yeah uh, what's what's that thing well you alluded you alluded to it um, a, a little bit with the stand mm-hmm. okay so you know, it, it comes down to be the, be the one who does what you say you're going to do, right? So, and then life shows up, whether that's God or the cosmos or fate or whatever you believe in, life shows up and hands you the moments. And in your leadership, you know, what are you committed to? You, you know, be the one who does what you say you're going to do. But in order to do that, you've got to say what you're going to do. You've got to plant the flag and go, this is what I'm aiming at. This is what I'm trying to do. And part of that is not only what I stand for, but what I stand from, what I will not tolerate in myself or anybody else on my team, and to get clear on that, um, here's, what, here's why I like that, is because when I do that, the dashboard light goes off. I feel it like a rock in my stomach when I'm not doing it. And I'm not saying I'm, I'm doing it right a lot, but I'm clear on where I'm trying to go. And my passion is to just sort of invite people into the journey. And I'm like, I'm not going to tell you what you're aiming at. Mm-hmm. You figure that out. Mm-hmm. But you better be clear. You're not as clear as you think you are. And um, when you are walking that path, when you're living out, when you're in integrity on that, the cool thing from a leadership standpoint is other people are watching. Right. You know, you are always on parade. And they are adjusting their sales based on what they just saw. And I'm, you know, as a parent, I'm trying to, I'm trying to guide a path for my daughters too. And uh, more often than not, they're living in a way that makes me want to be better. So I'm following their sales too. Good. I like it. 
Well, hey, Doc, that's about uh, all the time we have for today. And I know you got a, a flight that you need to catch. But I, I just want to personally thank you, not not just for your 23 years of, of service. You know, in the Marines, they, they say, you know, once a Marine, always mm-hmm. a Marine. We've tried the Airman for Life uh, kind of thing, mm-hmm. and it works in, in some spaces and, and it doesn't. But, but you truly are yeah. uh, still an Airman. Uh, you're still contributing. Like you said, a great majority of your clients are are so we really do appreciate everything that, that you've done for us. Uh, so, so thanks again for uh, agreeing to come out on a Saturday, uh, taking away from your family time and, and hang out with you. Chief, I'm here because not only the topic matters, but you matter to me. And that's not accidental. Um, but you're doing it right. And I want to, I've committed in my business, I said, I only want to run with people who inspire me or I'm proud to run with. Wow. That's the reason we're sitting at this table right now. Yeah, thanks. That, that, that means a lot. Hey, before we go, let me just thank a, a few people. First, of course, our, our guest, Dr. Kevin Basic, and uh, all the folks who submitted questions, uh, especially uh, Ian Eichen, uh, one of our uh, all-star command chiefs out, the, out at the 412 test wing um, out at Edwards. And uh, and then mostly our team that helped set this up. So we got World Mr. Tony class. Young. Yeah, yeah, Sergeant Brady, Sergeant Walters, and I think uh, Brad Sisson has some uh, something to do with it, and of course my big-headed uh, PA, uh, Senior Master Sergeant Harry Kippy. Uh, so if you want to find out more, just check us out on Facebook, Twitter, uh, Instagram. This has been your Blueprint Leadership Podcast. I'm Kay Wrights. Thanks for listening, and always remember, if better is possible, good is never enough, and you are your greatest competition. Love that battle cry. Cool. Yeah.